What's up, Icomer fans? We are here in Alsta, Italy for the launch of the new Scott Genius trail bike. And I have two of the mountain bike engineers here with me, guys. You want to introduce yourselves? So I'm Etienne, like a mountain bike engineer, and I worked on the new Scott Genius over the past two years. My name is Tim Stevens. I am the head of the mountain bike engineering team. Right on. So I want to start with the obvious. It's a completely new design, taking the original bold suspension with the internal rear shock, and then you guys made your own tweaks to that for the Spark, and that's been doing pretty well on the race circuit. <laughs> and then so now we're taking that internal shock design and applying it to a much longer travel trail bike. But let's I actually just want to kind of talk first through like some of the design considerations that go into using a design like that compared to the old, you know, the traditional external shock and what you guys learned going from, you know, the acquisition of Bold to applying it to the Spark. We're actually going to start with the Spark. When you created that, like what were some of the engineering challenges, design challenges to make that work? And, and how is it different than the Bold? So with a Spark, I mean, you try and put a shock inside instantly everything from an engineering point of view and a design point of view becomes a challenge it's a really good challenge it's something that we all thrive on at scott i would say but um yeah definitely some challenges on the spark obviously weight is a huge thing for this bike and with scott we're really about the weight and minimizing optimizing to the nth degree this i say was probably the biggest mindset around like how do we integrate the shock and keep it lightweight and really competitive on the cross-country circuit? In terms of differences from the bold, we optimize further. We put our kind of our own take on it and stuff. We work uh, quite closely with um, Vince from bold, but we're still two separate entities. We share knowledge and we support him. We have a much bigger engineering team than he does. But um, yeah, there's definitely some similarities there. And Vince obviously developed his uh, the bolds before we brought the Spark to market, and he did a really nice job. But I guess the Spark has, uh, yeah, it's kind of our own, a little bit of our own flavor, but mainly it's like really optimizing in the weight and and stiffness kind of kind of side of things. Even if we use the same kind of integration, like the the Scott Park is purely like a Scott construction, we're not using the same kind of construction as Bold is doing on their own bike. Are you talking about like the? carbon construction like layup and stuff or because the shock layout's different like i think with the bolts the shock is running kind of like forward being pushed forward into the down tube and with you guys it's being pushed downward in the c tube right yeah it depends on the model of bold i mean the the earlier models of bold were vertical shock the newer models are horizontal in the down tube so yeah the new models of bold are really can they're different suspension linkage they're you know virtual pivot with two short links the spark is more similar to the older style, the first generation of bold, bold linkages, but it's a split pivot to mm -hmm. start with. So it's still a bit different. And like the lean construction, I mean, as you say, like the carbon construction, everything is really like, uh, it's like really a Scott product. All right. Mm -hmm. We have the alloy version as well, which obviously bold don't do. And this is something that uh, Etienne worked on on Genius is the alloy model. And we pride ourselves and also the amount of effort and resource and, and engineering that goes into alloy models. Because I think we're the only or one of the only brands that really make a, a high-end alloy version of our high-end carbon bikes so that we can bring all the features down to lower levels. Um, yeah, with the, when you look at the Spark, if you see silhouettes of Spark Genius alloys compared to their carbon brothers and sisters, it's very difficult to tell the difference. We really focus on like trying to get the same silhouette and all the same features and everything. Yeah, um, yeah and that was a Boulder-only offering carbon bike, so there's also quite a big difference. 
Right. So uh, I'm curious why, like why go to this new design? So, you know, talking with some of your team over the past couple of days at the launch, you know, one of it is like, well, there really aren't any bad bikes nowadays. Like we're very fortunate in that, like almost any bike you get is pretty good these days. And so it's, it's small nuances. And one way to stand out, obviously, is having a very visually different look. So was that, how much of a driving factor was that? Or was there, did you guys find like huge performance advantages to this internal shock design? Clearly, design aesthetics plays a big part because people do shop with their eyes a lot. And especially if you have a wow factor on the shop floor and um, like really clean, integrated looking bike is, is very nice. And for sure, we have a design team that we work closely with and um, always coming up with concepts. And so this is, uh, this is for sure important, but there are quite some advantages to doing what we do. If we focus on the spark, the genius does also kind of follows in, in these reasons, but it's a very stiff and efficient structure around the shock. We can have a, a more consistent and better structural stiffness integrity between the front and rear because the tube volumes are, are large and they can take a lot of torque. Then like the stability of the shock inside is, is increased because of the, it's kind of like a, you know, a stiffness cage around the shock. If you like, we can get the shock much lower in the frame. So the center of gravity is lower because the lower shock mount can be lower if it's internal. And on the spark, one quite big advantage that is maybe not obvious at first sight is that you can have the rocker link style suspension, which is a very efficient and way of doing suspension. It gives a very good suspension curve structurally. It's very good. It's very light and stiff, but you can run two bottles, which is great for cross country marathon guys. So if they choose uh, other brand bikes that have rocker link style suspension, which is a really gives them really good suspension curves, they can't run two bottles. And this is quite a big deal. So this is like a, an extra advantage to the to the bike as well. Yeah, the other obvious thing is the shock is very well protected from the dirt and the water and and the sun as well. So the shocks will they'll last longer, they'll work better for longer. Of course, customers should always follow the recommended servicing tools for the shocks. But yeah, clearly without having them jet washed, without having the dirt, the dust and stuff impacting them is is really good for the shock. Right. What about heat? Yeah, I mean, you would think that the heat inside would be a problem, but the the heat like threshold of a shock is is pretty high, so there's no issue really with the heat. Like the top out temperature of a shock is pretty pretty high. So All right. So and even actually, on a longer travel bike like the Genius, mm-hmm. now which you know for people who haven't checked it out, it's 150 millimeters of rear travel mm-hmm. versus the Sparks 120. Obviously, the Genius is going to be ridden more fun stuff, more gravity stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have longer you know, descents, more aggressive descents. So it's going to be moving a lot more and it's still within that threshold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a point where a shock might get really hot and you start to damage the seals and stuff. This is very high. And actually shocks are well-designed shocks and good damping tunes and good oil. It's designed to work at temperature. It's not designed to work cold. Mm. Shocks should be set up to work at a good temperature. Yeah, we're working quite closely with Fox about this. So far, we have like no bad feedback either from Fox or either from like all the tests we perform with like our athletes or even our employees. I mean, we are living in the Alps. We are like really long runs, like really close to the headquarter. We can do like easily like 1,000 meter of negative elevation in one lap nonstop. And we never got any bad mm-hmm. feedback. So yeah, we can do, I mean, there's some big stuff in, in the Alps. We can do two and a half thousand meters. So for you guys, that is 8,000 feet, 9,000 feet in, in one descent. Yeah. So. Sometimes push and do and try and do that nonstop. It's a, it's a good test. Yeah, I think your forearms and your yeah, brakes yeah. are going to wear out before <laughs> yeah, the rear shock for sure. Yeah, Etienne has done some testing himself, and uh, after we did debrief, it was like 
basically uh my body gave out before the bike (laughs) (laughs) right on what about the cons like the one thing i could see from seeing the cutaways on these is that you know for people who want a really long dropper post at some point the bottom of the dropper post is going to be running into the suspension mechanism inside so Mm -hmm. does it limit like dropper lengths or are there other kind of like trade-offs you had to make to use this design one of the big challenges is to get enough dropper insertion. We talk about Genius. Uh, dropper insertion becomes more important on Genius and, and ransom level bikes. And yeah, it's a challenge. And this is one of the reasons why the spark, uh, linkage con- configuration differs slightly from Spark is to get more dropper insertion. And uh, we've improved it over the previous Genius. Of course, there are some bikes that have longer dropper insertion, but actually we find that there are some people that are unique and like as much drop as they can have even on size M, but sometimes we find that having too much drop is that a lot of people don't like a post with too much drop because then saddle starts to get too close to the tire, bottom out and stuff like this. So yeah, there are other bikes that have better dropper insertion, but on a, on a medium, we can run a, a 170 post. The other engineer who's not with us now, Kai, on the old Genius, he could run a 150, now the new one, he can run a 170. So that was for sure, it's a, it's a big challenge. I mean, when you look at the cutaways, everything is in the same place. This is where we really have to do a lot of like optimization. If you look on the cut frame, for example, at the shape of the link, you will see how we managed to optimize it to be able to have like the maximum insertion possible. All right. It mm-hmm. kind of works around it a little bit, exactly, right? Like yeah. you kind of, the linkage kind of goes around yeah. the post. Because it's not just the, the structure of the post. There's the mechanism, the orientation mechanism and the cable. You can't have the cable suddenly turn an angle coming out of the post because of course then the cable will not work be very smooth and stuff. So, um, yeah, actually you need quite a lot of space below the post already it's not just the actual post and um, we, we also have our own synchronous posts so we can develop those and optimize the amount of like drop to length ratio this is really important it help a lot even just gaining extra five millimeters here and there like optimizing the clamp and stuff like this so yeah we we can because we have the synchro side of things engineers and how we this gives us flexibility to be able to work to make the components and the bike together as a as a global yeah kind of unit right. and developing stuff together Cool. How far can you push this design? Because, you know, the, the obvious evolution looking out is to take this and now go to the ransom with 170 millimeters of travel. Like, mm. is there an upper limit of travel that you can accomplish with this design? Or? With the vertical shock? Well, yeah, vertical or just internal in general, no matter how you lay it out. With vertical shock, yeah, there's pro- yeah, there's probably a limit for sure. Um, internal, we didn't find a limit yet. <laughs> That's probably all I can say so far. Okay. <laughs> We have few layers we can work with mm-hmm. and few different levels of integration as well. Right. So, yeah, there is quite a few possibilities. Cool. And obviously, Bold with the Lincoln, they're pushing it a little bit further than the Genius anyway. So you mentioned that you share some resources. And I think from a business standpoint, you guys probably opened a lot of doors for Bold to grow into new distribution channels and sales channels and have all these, you know, like, I guess just the management benefits of a, a huge company that's been in business globally for so long. but do you share engineering resources as well? Yeah, we have. I mean, we have a strong, really strong engineering team at Scott, and we support Bold with this because we have, uh, yeah, we have in-house analysis team, and it's not just the frame engineers as we explained in the presentation yesterday. But we have uh, not just the the frame engineers on the bike. We have finite element analysis specialists. We have plastics engineers who are really specialist in doing the covers and other plastic parts on the bike. And these are, it's a lot harder to make these parts than you think due to shrinkage and making the fitment correct. We have guys doing the accessories, integration of the accessories and components and stuff like this. So we're able to 
provide a lot of support as well to the bold side of things. And we're all a, a very close team, especially like all the Scott engineers were all on the same floor, very close to each other. You just walk down 20 meters and you can speak to the guy who's doing the plastic cover for your frame and stuff like this. So the bold guys are often around and we're, yeah, and quite close uh, collaboration, I would say. Does this translate at all to e-bikes? Bold do not do e-bike. Yeah, well, I mean, like with the Scott, because Scott does do mm-hmm. e-bikes, yeah. but it seems like the motor would be sitting right where the a lot of the suspension stuff is. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, it's a challenge for us as mountain bike engineers. You can imagine how much of a challenge it is for e-bike engineers. Yeah, <laughs> um, sometimes I'm glad I don't have to worry about the motor and battery as well. But yeah, I would say that Victor, who's the head of e-bike engineering, he's the, the other group head that I collaborate the most with because obviously we have synergy with kinematics and this kind of thing. We have we have to over- overcome a lot of the same problems and sometimes he's more advanced on terms of projects and sometimes I am. And so it's a case of like, he might come to me and be like, hey, what did you guys, how did you guys figure out this problem? Or it might be vice versa. And so this, yeah, and we're, we're, I mean, within the, within the bike engineering group, we're, we're ex- extremely close. Like the, the synergy and collaboration is, is constant. And, uh, I mean, if it, if it wasn't, we wouldn't be very efficient. We can't have one small team, uh, solving problems and they're not communicating. So, but then, yeah, you'll see a lot of similarities between the e-bikes and the, the mountain bikes. If you look into the details, um, but you always get some differences because different engineers, different ideas, uh, yeah, different application of stuff. Well, you have a road bike team as well and um synchronous team but the yeah in terms of mountain bike the collaboration with e-bike team i would say is more relevant because of the suspension platforms All right so within the genius line you have the regular genius and then you have the st which uh, at first you hear st anyway i'm so used to meaning short travel and it's not it's super trail super in this trail, case yeah. and so there's actually two different rear shocks that you're using in there can you talk a little bit about like you know why the shocks are different and what, what you're trying to accomplish with each one? So, like, it was a request from the market to have, like, a, if I can say, higher level of performance on the suspension. At Scott, we have the twin lock technology, which is shooting like the genius, like, very well. It's like super versatile. You can lock out the bike, you can have like a climb mode and like an open mode for like the fork and the shock. And a lot of people love this. But we also had like another request to have like a grip to damper, even like bigger shock. So we work like really closely with Fox. I mean, we have like Sam here from Fox from California and we spend like a lot of time working with them to develop like the new nude float X, which is like a completely new shock, which is for Scott. So it was like a close collaboration to offer like a higher level of performance with more adjustments and the ST version, if I can say is a bit more orient, uh, gravity oriented. With like, yeah, like we don't have like a full lockout on the ST. We have a film platform and we have like way more adjustment, like compression, rebound. You can play a bit more with like the spacer, volume spacers and everything. So, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, in the ST, the, with the, the new nude shock, it's a piggyback. It's got an external reservoir. Is it just a standard non piggyback shock in the regular model? It's a nude five. Yeah. Um, so it's the, it was the same as the previous years. I think there had been some tweaks, but fundamentally it's the same. And the, yeah, the Flotex Nude is based on the Fox Float X, so all the damping technology is the same as the Fox one. And crucially, that means when Fox in the future develop that platform and make improvements, the improvements carry over to our sh- shock as well. The service kits are the same. And what we think we find on the Genius that Genius is kind of unique because it sits in an area, segment in the market, where you'll get people that want to do much bigger days, more 
pedaling efficient like uh, and then you'll also get guys that are more orientated to like enjoying the downhill and so you have this bike that has a double personality and we find that the the, the traditional twin lock system versus the st setup is a really good it there are advantages like to both systems to have on the genius platform whereas you go back down to spark there's definitely a more bias towards like the efficiency and having the front and rear lockout and the whole the whole traditional twin, twin lock system all right. Yeah. I got to say, like, I, I much prefer a non lockout fork because mm-hmm. I never use the lockout on my fork ever. Mm-hmm. And having those extra dials and controls that you lose a lot of times when you have a remote lockout on a mm-hmm. fork it is nice. So, yeah, I, I like the ST version. But the, um, I guess for people who aren't familiar with the, the twin lock and the way that works is when you say like a, like a climb mode, that intermediate between, you know, firm or lockout and the descent, it's actually changing the air volume of the shock so that it will ramp up faster and effectively limit the travel. And I think it's what, like a kind of 40% effective travel reduction? So, yeah, because it's not a physical travel reduction, it's uh, through the compression ratio of the shock. So you're basically increasing the compression ratio and effectively reducing it. You're vastly increasing the force required to bottom it out. So you're effectively losing less, using less travel. On the Flotex Nude, when you're in the middle mode, um, call it the ramp mode, you're around 100 mil, 100, 120 mil, I think. I mean, to explain the differences between the Nude 5, let's say the traditional Twin Knock 1 and the new Flowex Nude. On the Nude 5, uh, you have fully open mode working for the downhill, damping is working as normal as you would want on the downhill. When you click into the traction mode, you reduce that volume air chamber, but you also apply compression damping to the system. This gives you your platform. And the crucial thing is the air volume change. So this yeah, reduces your travel, but also makes your dynamic sag uh, less. So you're riding higher, so you have more pedal clearance, your seat angle starts to be steeper, and it feels snappier and more responsive on the climb. And then, of course, the lockout mode is uh, as strong a lockout as we can do for front and back. So this is great. Like if you're, you need to blast the trailhead on the fire road or or a road, it makes it super efficient. And of course, for the cross country guys, like for sprinting and stuff, it's like a game changer. And then the Float X uh, Nude works slightly different in that when you go into the middle mode, which we call the ramp mode, it does the air chamber, but not the compression damping. So it's very similar to putting a lot of air spaces into your shock. You get much more ramp. So it can be on the fly adjustment to have something more progressive, but it also yeah helps in the climbing. When you go into the third mode on the Flotex Nude, it then applies compression damping as well, but it's not a full lockout. So you could maybe relate that and say it's similar to a, a heavy traction mode of the pre, of the traditional twin lock shock. So mm. the, the shock in the, the Flotex Nude is going to be a little more active. It sounds like, I mean, like, cause inevitably I'll forget to unlock it or put it back into open. And there was a few descents we did yesterday where I was definitely not in the right yeah. mode, but it didn't. I didn't notice from the ride quality as much as I thought I would have looking down afterwards and be like, ah, crap, I forgot mm-hmm. to open it back up. Yeah, I mean, on the traditional ones, when if you, you certainly notice it if you're in, in the lockout, but the system has, it can blow off the compression, so you will never damage the shock. Advantage of our shocks as well compared to like a classic like lock lever on the shock is like on the ramp up mode, we keep the compression open. So like the compression will still work, the bike will still be active. Even if you will sit higher on the travel and have more like clearance to for pedaling and stuff like this. Yeah, very cool. Mm-hmm. What am I not asking? Like, what's what's maybe something that 
something you had to develop with this bike that internally you're like, wow, that was, you know, you feel like a little wind because you figured this thing out, but, you know, the average consumer is not ever going to maybe know or care. The Link was one of them, the Link construction, which Link, is like... Linkage is difficult, yeah. Quite different. Yeah. Part. We, we have like the linkage, the torque that the linkage has to withstand is incredible. Something like it's over 600 Newton meters, which you can compare to uh, a car. Uh, the car we're sitting in now is probably... 300 newton meters of torque at a certain RPM. So the, the torque is incredible. At, this is like at a really overload case. So imagine that you have to deal with that force in the and make a lightweight um, linkage arms and go through the spline system. This is a challenge. And uh, a lot of hours of FEA, um, we do independent testing on linkages to go through different different scenarios and to see uh, that the linkage is really optimized and they have to, they have to do a lot of work. Yeah, we have like a few other points uh, we can mention, like the big opening for the shock access uh, while keeping like the strength and the rigidity of the bike. Uh, we wanted to have this big access to be able to fit more shock, to have like easy access to all the tuning, the knobs of the shocks, yeah, and cool. also for like the maintenance as well. Yeah. And in general, like keeping the bike very serviceable, like easy to maintain. It's not because we put the shock inside that the bike is more difficult to maintain, like Every bolt is still like super easy to access. Removing the shock is just like three bolts, like every other Trinion bike. So we really put a lot of effort into this, like keeping everything as user-friendly as possible. The, the access hole actually has a nice advantage of making it very easy for cable routing. You don't have to push out your BB to, if you want to change your cable, yeah, damage nice. your BB. And the little click button to release the yeah. compartment the, or the cover is pretty yeah. nifty. I yeah, it's say. nice, yeah. Took, uh, I mean, Etienne is also a plastics uh, expert from used to work on the helmet side and it's got for transferring to my team. So he worked quite a lot with our plastics engineer, Darius, to develop the cover and the fitment of the cover and to have the right click at the right time. Like there's a lot of details like this that maybe don't come across. And I think also the alloy bike that you worked on is is also another example of something very challenging, like uh, to the amount of hydroforming and specific processes that we had to do on this bike. Example, down tube door, the way we've we reinforce around the door on this and stuff. Like we had to come up with, yeah, some solutions that maybe we've not done before and push uh, further into um, hydroforming of the tubes and stuff like this. Yeah, we had to create like new process or to push some existing one further than ever. I mean, you can see on the different cut frame and on the exploded view, like the seat tube, for example, or some forge part. Like few points were like really challenging, but like mm. really really proud to have this and to be able to ex- to offer the same experience on all the range from the entry point, uh, 940 to the 900 ultimate bike. Yeah. No, the alloy version looks amazing. It's especially that one out there. It was just like polished and brushes. <laughs> very, very nice looking. What are the frame weights like for say a size medium or large for carbon versus alloy? So the weight difference in between the carbon and the alloy is like 900 grams. For us, it was really important to put the accent on the rigidity of the bike, which is like really similar in between the carbon and the alloy. We wanted to keep like great riding characteristics, even if you go for like the entry level bike. And we wanted to keep the same level of integration, all the small details, everything. So the bikes is like a nice experience for the customer. All right. What is the carbon frame weight? 229, 2290 grams with the hardware. Okay. So without shock. Oh, without shock. Yeah. But okay. Yeah, because the shock, uh, the shock, different shocks, they have different weights. So yeah, we quote it without a shock. 
One little tiny detail that probably a lot of people will never notice, and I didn't know if I hadn't overheard somebody else talking about it, was one of the bolts, the upper bolt for the shock is flipped Mm -hmm. from the way you did it on the spark. Like, why? To flip it around, it actually, it makes it more secure because of the load going into the bolt. It's tightening it when you compress. So you have like the big amount of loads when you're like on compression. We burn not so much. And like on compression, like the link is like always tightening the bolt. And on Spark, it was like not necessary because the loads are a bit, uh, they're less important. But on the Genius, like, and especially with like the new geometry, the new kinematic, it's more like heavy duty bike. So to make sure everything would stay secure, we put it on the other side. So was that an issue on the Spark with compression, like gradually loosening that bolt? As always, you have to be attentive to like the bolts on, on the bike. And um, if you have it properly locked tighted, it should be fine. Yeah. Uh, so just check every once in a while as yeah. we, we should anyway right? Yeah, for everything. Yeah, exactly right on well guys thank you so much for the time and uh, appreciate the extra intel on the, the new bikes well, much pleasure thanks yeah. if you like this episode and have a product or tech you're curious about head over to bikerumor.com slash podcast and fill in the form to submit your idea you'll also find links and photos for this episode there plus a link to this and every other episode we've ever recorded. If you really like this and want more, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and leave us a rating and review. That's the grease that keeps our wheels spinning over here in podcast land, and it helps us keep getting amazing guests for you. You can find us on social. We're at Bike Rumor on all the things. And if you like random entrepreneurship, NFT, Web3, cycling stuff, you'll find me at Tyler Benedict on all the social channels. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep the rubber side down.